Hello, everyone. Joshua Gilliland here with Jessica Meterson. And in our first podcast of 2021, we're here to discuss the first five episodes of WandaVision because we've been binge watching. And let's be honest, January was a little stressful and busy. There was <laughs> some things happened that threatened the Republic. Attempted coup, you know, a few little yeah. things like that. Yeah, it's just... The FBI has a sedition task force now. <laughs> so again, there were words I never thought I would say, but oh. two words I'm very happy to say are President Biden. So and Vice President Harris. Woo-hoo. Competent adults in charge. Mm. Good feeling. Anyway, that's our long intro to WandaVision. Jess, <laughs> how are you doing? Well, like you said, it's been um, it's been a little bit rockier start to 2021 than I was hoping. I'm still still insisting, of course, a month out from my own COVID uh, diagnosis, that 2021 is going to get better. You know, it is just like it's the dark of winter, especially up here in Wisconsin, where we're about to face a week of below zero temperatures, um, you know, but it is dark, but spring is ahead of us. And I believe that both from our seasons here in the Northern Hemisphere, as well as um, for a country. So I just hope that it's not too rocky as we um, get there. And yeah, so, but I will say in the meantime, some loopy kind of, you know, WandaVision shows help pass the time, right? They do. And we're coming up on a really good year for TV and streaming movies that otherwise would be in the theater, but no one wants (laughs) to go die. So like March, we're going to get Falcon and Winter Soldier. We're going to get Zack Snyder's Justice League, which again, I remind everyone, Batman v Superman, same man. So like this doesn't mean it's good. And (laughs) that is yes, but yes. Uh, wait and see yeah Uh, maybe maybe after three movies he figured out how to do a superhero movie (laughs) hope springs eternal in this new age that's right and uh godzilla versus kong which i am super excited about and i am team kong so yeah it just i do have to give a shout out to my daughter i have never cared for those monster movies but she got me into those movies and i will say was it the one where godzilla was like king of all the seam all the different monsters i did really have a soft spot for godzilla in that um so although kong yeah i like them both so i'm team both but yes thanks to my daughter i'm now getting into the monster movies finally so i i'll repeat this but when people say you know who do you want to win that's a lot like asking, what grandpa do I want to win in a bare knuckles <laughs> boxing match? And the answer is, they shouldn't be doing that. They should have had an adventure saving a puppy or fighting Nazis. They had a lot of range or maybe saving a puppy from Nazis, but they should not have been in a fight themselves. So like, no. that's my feeling on Godzilla versus Kong. Yeah. But the trailer looks so damn good with Kong jumping off an exploding air- aircraft carrier like it's out of Die Hard. That's, that's bitching. That I is mean, cool. I just, now granted, sure, 6,000 sailors just died in that scene, but hey, um, minor detail. And that destroyer that got cleaved, that, that's a crew of 300. But hey, we'll overlook Oof. that because it's visually stunning. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
I'm sure the Navy's looking forward to that. Um, yeah. But, but WandaVision is our first foray into something fun of 2021. And I've been watching them Fridays after work. They make me happy. I love seeing all the different uh, TV genre references, whether it's kind of um, uh, I Love Lucy to Bewitched. Yes. Brady Bunch and Partridge Family to Family Ties. All family of- ties and I had to say full house right and that was not me Twitter kind of pointed out the meta nature of Elizabeth Olsen sort of spoofing um, her older sister's iconic TV show but yes the family ties obviously with the drawn and characters that was what came to mind growing pains had definitely yeah. growing pain vibes well, and you know before we get into the legal analysis I do want to highlight Olsen has great comedic timing and really does the 80s silly mom well. The oh, yeah. Face, the facial expressions, uh, the body language, uh, it's, she's good. And, and maybe just a little bit better than Paul Bentley with uh, the comedic timing. Then again, he is playing a synthoid. But um, <laughs> she's, I think, really carrying it. And... I will say personally, I have never vision while a cool idea and the good voice. I have never actually been that vested in vision as a character. I don't know if it's just because it is at the synthoid. Paul Bettany, I don't know. I, to be fair, I never saw Knight's Tale. I saw people giving him a shout out for that today on Twitter. Um, but I've never been that big a fan of him. But yeah, I think, you know, what the multiple things that Elizabeth Olsen is having to do with this role, right? I mean, yes, I mean, obviously the bewitched um, kind of references were so fantastic. And yeah, she was very, oh my God. I told the kids when we were watching the last version, I guess I was just last night, that I was sort of embarrassed now by all the 80s sitcoms that I loved as a kid because watching it now, I'm like, wow, yeah, that is exactly how they were. And I cannot believe we all thought these were so awesome. But um, I mean, but to carry that with the whole, oh, yeah, she's also like controlling this whole world and creating these sitcoms. And oh, yeah, now I'm going to go, you know, mess with the people who are trying to mess with me. The multiple levels at which she's operating. I am very impressed. I'm a big Elizabeth Olsen fan. Yeah, yeah she's got chops. And yeah. the, the writing is good. The direction yeah. is good. The visual storytelling with making the TV episodes look like sitcom episodes Mm -hmm. and then switching to kind of the Marvel style back and forth. That's creative and visually impressive. Yes. So I, I, you know, like that's outside of legal analysis, but I I applaud what they're doing uh, because it's fun. And it's fun. I have to give a shout out too to the cast. I mean, the the supporting cast. I mean, first of all, I will watch Catherine Hahn in anything. While her role as a pol- political consultant on Parks and Rec will always be my favorite role of hers, she is always fabulous. And so I love her. Um, it actually took me a while to realize that the woman, and I don't know what her name was now, but the one who was kind of the queen bee in the 60s episodes was Anya from Buffy, which freaked me out because I loved Anya from Buffy and her weird fear of rabbits. Um, And so I could not believe that was her. So that was very exciting. I will say Kat Dennings, as awful as 
awful. And I was just in the hotel room and had to watch it as awful as Two Broke Girls was. And it really is so bad, which I hate to say because I like Whitney Cummings as a comedian. Um, Kat Dennings, I loved her role in Thor. And so I'm glad to see her back in this role. I think she's really funny. It's kind of a cool, quirky um, astrophysicist. And then the FBI agent as well from Fresh Off the Boat. I always love him and he's great in this too. So, oh, and then of course, the woman playing Monica Rambeau is fantastic. Having the B characters from three different movies uh, granted, we only saw Monica as a little girl in Captain Marvel. Right. But, you know, Jimmy Woo, who's based on a longtime Marvel character. Okay. Going back to the 50s. Oh, see, I didn't realize that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so we have all of these second tier characters mm -hmm. from three different movies that are interacting well together. And having, uh, you know, uh, Darcy who's you know having the actress with experience being on a sitcom being the fan of you know like the wandavision sitcom that she's watching for right now. right it's meta it's funny and <laughs> i mean she's got great chemistry with basically anything she does yeah that character so all of that stuff is just well done yeah so just overall i've been very happy to to have this each week and the, the comic influences that they're pulling from is deep. They're, there's just so much that they get to play with. Mm -hmm. so in the early 80s, there was the Vision and uh, Scarlet Witch, Witch miniseries that dealt with them being married and uh, how, uh, how the, you know, their kids are born, which is basically through magic. Right. And, then you get uh, West Coast Avengers, which relates back to something that happened in the in the 70s in the main Avengers title, which was Vision took over the nuclear arsenal. Whoa. And, yeah. And went crazy from the experience of trying to, uh, again, like with a late 70s Cold War story ah. of the world to blow up, he took over the nuclear arsenal. And the U.S. government was not okay no. uh, about that. So in this uh, West Coast Venture storyline, the government capture him. Okay. And they take him apart <sighs> and, and basically wipe his personality. You know, in, the, in the comics, Vision's personality was based off uh, like a, a mind map, mind reading of mm -hmm. Wonder Man, Simon Williams, who we've only seen... Um, uh, references of is as an actor uh, in the MCU. Okay. So in that series, in West Coast Avengers, when they like find the vision, he's taken apart and spread out across all these tables. <sighs> so when we see in episode five, Scarlet Witch go and get his body, mm -hmm. it's reminiscent of that. Now in the comics, when he's put back together, he uh, just drops having the, the red and the green and is just bone white. Ooh. And, and with the personality gone, he speaks like a computer okay. and block text. And so it's, it's basically his humanity was gone. Mm. Great storyline. So again, I don't know if they'll echo any of that. Hmm. But it's working for me because there's just so much comic material. Then you get into the 
House of M, which and Avengers Disassembled, which dealt with Wanda going nuts, yeah, and destroying the Avengers, and then the X Men and Avengers thinking like, well, do we have to kill her because she's just too dangerous? Right? Yeah, and that lead led to House of M, where she rewrote the entire planet. Whoa, yeah, and so she resurrects Hawkeye. She, uh, like mutants are like a soup, the, the controlling species on the planet. Uh, Captain America was never put into ice. And so he ends up being an astronaut and the first man on the moon in the 1950s. Oh, yeah. And so there's the Hulk's running a continent. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens from that. Huh? So the hex that they're in. Is like a mini version of that of of that, and I I don't know if that's the inspiration for it, but it it might be. Uh, they just have so much to play with. It's tough to know what they're going to use, what might inspire them, what they could do. Just that's completely new and fresh. There's a lot that they have to work with, and I think they're doing a mix. Hmm. Well, because I have wondered, I'm like, all right, long term, what do you do with this, right? I can see this being a limited series this season, you know, clearly, and again, if you're listening to this podcast, spoilers, because we're going to be talking about everything up through uh, this week's episode. But, um, you know, both Sword is figuring out what she is doing here, and they've already had a face-to-face with Wanda. Um, and then, of course, what's probably more dangerous, because as you point out, Wanda is incredibly powerful, but uh, is, you know, now Vision seems to be figuring out what's going on. And obviously, the people, to varying degrees, can kind of speak to in the town what's happening to them. I mean, Catherine Hahn pretty much showed that she's like, I get that I have to be here um so uh so yeah so i'm like all right long term what do you do with this because it's kind of clearly this world she's created um the whole tv show thing is interesting you know you do hear sometimes characters talk about growing up with tv you know i don't know that wanda and her background would have had that so much that seems like a little bit weird so i don't know if they'll ever explain at some point why she's turning everything into a sitcom but you do certainly throughout kind of creative storytelling, you often see people trying to cope with real life problems by creating this sitcom sort of situation. So, um, so yeah, so I'm not sure there. It, it also raises an eyebrow because she grows up in Eastern Europe. Right. Uh, so she was, they say born in 1989. So did they, did they just have Western TV running? Yeah, I mean, it could be older Western TV. That's often the cliche, right? Um, yeah, so I don't know. Or while she was cooped up during, you know, after Civil War, she just started binge watching old TV shows. She and- has that Me TV network where they just play old sitcoms and uh, shows all the time. Yeah. Just worked on her English and <laughs> background on U.S. history by watching old TV shows. <laughs> I, God knows with, if they'll acknowledge it. But yeah. Uh, the other thing that they did did in the work did a lot in the comics is there's the Marvel version of the devil, and it's a name I've never been able to really pronounce well. It's like uh, Mephisto. 
Oh, which is, and that's, I think, one of the words, I mean, that's pre-Marvel, Mephisto or something is one of the words for the devil or the Satan or something, yes. You know, he's gone toe-to-toe with Doctor Strange. Okay. It would not be a surprise if he is a new big bad ah. for whatever phase. And I don't know if Marvel's going to try doing something different. Because if you do, hey, we'll have a 10-year arc that ends with a mm-hmm. massive battle. That's really repetitive. Yes. But if you do maybe like three, four movie arcs that yeah. with different characters, maybe that could work more like a uh, bunch of summer annuals that are connected, like the Evolutionary War or what they did with like Secret Wars 2 with the different tie-in titles. So right. There's a few things that that they could play with. Yeah, I mean, presumably, if we can ever go back to theaters, and I cannot wait for that day because I miss going to the movies so much, um, they will want to go back to some of those bigger tent pole things. But yes, not every single movie has to be Avengers, Infinity War, or Endgame, which we as a family just watched today, actually. So, um, but uh, yeah. So that will be interesting. I do say one thing too about the older sitcoms. I was surprised. So my two teens, we watched the first two episodes and I was afraid that they would lose interest. Cause I'm like, you know, if you don't know the Dick Van Dykes, the I Love Lucy, and then especially Bewitched, um, I'm like, I'm not sure that these early episodes are gonna be as funny to you, but actually they did. Both of my kids have loved them so far. Um, in fact, my daughter has asked to not have to wait until we can all watch them as a family because she says, I think it's on, I'm pres- assuming it's on TikTok. She sees memes so quickly that she hates not knowing what the memes are. So she wants to be able to watch the shows as soon as they drop. So they are connecting with the young people. Well, some things are timeless and, yeah. <laughs> and some things are comedy gold. So <laughs> go watch I Love Lucy. Lucille Ball was was a rock star. So That's true. Caddyshack, still funny 40 it- years later. Yeah, so there's, uh, again, there's a, there's a lot of good source material. And if it, if it inspires people to, like, watch Mary Tyler Moore, God I know. Awesome. Oh, I love Mary Tyler Moore. Ted Knight. Oh, that was so great. So, All right, so anyway, so, yeah, sorry, now we digress as old people. We're going to talk about our old TV shows. <laughs> well, let's talk about something new that's with the law. And we have the Vision and Scarlet Witch decide, hey, let's be married. And yeah. at the end of the first episode, they make she makes rings for them. Raises the question: Can you marry a robot or Ooh. a synthoid? And boy, howdy! You know, I I've read the marriage equality case. <laughs> I you know there's there's a lot of civil rights cases that that deal with marriage rights. You know that you can't prohibit people marrying each other because of race you know that's right the, the loving, loving be, Virgi- be virginia yep yeah it's, again it's like well that's just purely racist and wrong on the flip side there are things that we you know prohibit like siblings marrying you know like we don't incest bad yeah we don't do that here <laughs> you know besides the fact it makes everyone say ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, um so we have that stuff on the books. Uh, you can't have more than one spouse at the same time. We have a lot of laws about bigamy. Yes. And, and there's no religious exception to it. Like, no, I get these four wives. Yeah. It, we 
sorry, no, we only allow you to have one. Yes. So despite the fact we've evolved on our concept of marriage and you know, granted some of the, the criticisms of it just don't make any sense when um, you know, having a, uh, was a Alito at some Federalist Society said mm. that gay marriage violates his first amendment right on his belief that marriage is between a man and a woman. Oh. And it's like, um, so That's what? That's how the first amendment works. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's really weird to hear a Supreme Court justice oh. so wrong. Oh. It's like, no, we find you offensive. Yeah. You don't get to do that. I you find can, it offensive that, yeah, you get to decide laws controlling my body or what who adults get to marry. Oh, that's so gross. I had not heard that. Oh, yeah. So the fact that he said that publicly, you know, like people are like, what the hell? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just in that um, there was a dissent. And it might have been it might have been Thomas who made that comment as well. So th- this has popped up a couple times where people go like, what the hell? Uh, just from like conservative jurisprudence, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Because it, it's like the fact it offends you is your problem. That doesn't mean it stops people from like, you know, a, a black man marrying a Jewish girl and having kids. If that offends you, you can just go to hell. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the way freedom works. And uh, if you're going to complain about race mixing again, go to hell. Oh, that's yes. not what we, what we do here. No. Uh, but that's just me and my humble um, opinion on how to deal with people who are that backwards. Yeah. <clears throat> but for a robot, that would require determining vision meets all the qualifications for what we determine to be alive. And not like a giant sex toy. You know, because like there are those love bots now, which again, give people more options in this day and age, but uh, we don't want people marrying their love bot. Right. uh, Because it's not alive. The vision meets, sounds like he's more alive than a Commodore 64. Yes. Or a Tesla. He, he, He emotes, he has goals well for the cynic on marriage like me i would say of course a lot of it is about taxes right and he is actually out there we see him in multiple episodes i mean again presuming this isn't all in wanda's head actually making money presumably paying taxes you know getting his w-2 issued so of course you know for all the tax purposes i mean for me marriage is about that right it's a tax things it's a health insurance if he were to of course not that not that he would ever need to go into the hospital for anything but if wanda were to need to go into the hospital you know he should be able to have the right obviously to um you know make her decisions as next of kin kind of thing um you know the health insurance benefits even right oftentimes it's only for the person that you're married to or children that would get health insurance so for all those reasons i am pro his ability to uh be married I also think he's alive because he's not a toaster. Yes, that too. He's, you now granted, this requires a change in the law because he's something new. Yes. 
you know, like the, the conservative pseudo argument of, well, if two guys can marry, then what's stopping a woman from marrying a dolphin? Well, the law. Yeah. But we don't do that. <laughs> you, it actually is easy to say, yeah, here's the line we draw. It's, it's, it's a slippery slope. No, it's not. You, no. you, you could, two consenting adults. Yes. This, in, in this, the MCU, you have aliens, you have interdimensional beings. You have green monsters. Yeah. Slash scientists. They've probably evolved their view on like, eh, yeah. I mean, like the, the legal analysis they might have arrived at is like, yeah, we're cool. I like it yeah. might be really simple <laughs> that they've been through so much. Everyone mm. might be like super zen about it. It's like, no, man, he helped save the world. I'm good. Yeah. Like, that could be the end of the debate. <laughs> right. He saved my kid. Yeah. He saved a lot of people. I mean, at the end of the day, it will be obviously this whole AI robots, you know, what's going to evolve in our future is a whole interesting thing. I will say, and we've talked about it here on the podcast before, but, you know, one of the first two authors to get me into sci-fi was Isaac Asimov. And it actually started with his Cave of Steel series, which was about a human detective and his robot detective sidekick. And um, I mean, Asimov dealt with that in a lot of his uh, books about this idea of, um, you know, robots and what rights do they have? He obviously had the three laws of robotics too, which I don't think we're using and we really should be. Um, and then he did even deal with like, yes, human robot relations. Um, so it is an area that's tricky. I mean, this brings up, of course, and it was really more of a promotional stunt, but Saudi Arabia even gave a citizenship to a robot, which is, of course, especially ironic that it was in Saudi Arabia, who doesn't like to give rights to um, women or to many of their migrant workers who go there, but they'll give rights to a robot as long as it presents as a male Saudi Arabian, I guess, or something. But um, actually, that'd be a whole different interesting thing, too, given our current political state. You know, there may be some people more comfortable giving rights to robots than they would to uh, certain other communities here in our country, unfortunately. So so it is kind of an interesting thing. And obviously, yeah, in the WandaVision world, vision is certainly unique. But long term, it will be interesting to see what kind of at some point we may have to come up with issues for AI if and when they develop that idea of this consciousness. Yeah, and I don't know how many decades or centuries we're away, we are away from that happening. Yeah, probably more decades and centuries. I don't know. I, I just, I'm not, I don't do that. But uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see it. And I wouldn't be surprised no. if we never see it because maybe there's some uncanny valley that we can't cross on yeah. what is a soul. But from a fictional perspective, the vision seems alive. Yes. So now that we've resolved that issue, uh, Josh, you had identified some other issues with the whole Westview situation there. Yeah, there aren't as fun to talk about. Yeah, there, there's a bunch. My God, there's a bunch. So let's start with the big one of the town. Yeah. She puts a hex around the town so people can't leave and then rewrites them. Is that kidnapping or false imprisonment? 
or torture. I mean, the one, I forget what his name was, but the one that visioned kind of deprogrammed briefly in uh, the office. I mean, that man is clearly suffering immensely, um, which I guess is often part of, you know, kidnapping. But um, certainly that is a kind of a torture of types. Um, Well, if you want to talk about intentional infliction of emotional distress, I guess, if you want to go to civil claims, that would certainly be one of the first things that I would uh, lob against her. Oh, I think we get there. Uh, I think the fine... Did she kidnap them by telling them they can't leave and they're stuck in this sitcom version of their town? Or is it false imprisonment or is it both? And it helps to actually define the rule because that's where we're lawyers, it's what we do. So since we're in New Jersey, uh, (laughs) kidnapping is Uh, If if a person unlawfully moves another from their place of residence or business or a substantial distance from a vicinity where he is found, or if he unlawfully confines another for a substantial period with any of the following purposes, uh, to facilitate a crime, to inflict bodily injury, or to terrorize the the victim or another, interfere Mm -hmm. with the performance of uh, government, to permanently uh, deprive a parent, guardian, of the, the, or the other lawful uh, custody of the victim. I, I think we meet elements of kidnapping here. Yes. They're not being removed from their home or place of work, but certainly the rest of it. Yeah, well, they might be confined to the town. Yeah. So, and they're forced within there. So I think that it's sticky and it's not the traditional definition. Right. But I think it could work. Yeah. I mean, yes, it's definitely a little bit outside of what's normally envisioned, but it certainly does seem appropriate here since, I mean, if you go back to kind of the original idea of being held against your will, well, let's go on. What's false imprisonment? Maybe that's better for being held against your will. So also from New Jersey, a person commits uh, uh, disorderly person offense if he knowingly restrains another unlawfully so as to interfere substantially with his liberty. We got that. That for sure is at issue here, without a doubt. So that's that's where that one's easy. Yeah. Kidnapping. I I think a DA would bring the charge. Yeah. I don't know if it. technically meets all the elements yeah but it's worth a shot yes and then you've got i mean you basically have this is kind of very mundane again but a conversion because she has basically taken everybody else's property for her own rights and she basically controls everything um she certainly has done that you know i thought the interesting thing in this last episode was the director of sword trying to say she was a terrorist but of course monica rambo correctly pointing out that for terrorism you actually do have to have a political agenda and she clearly does not have that um if anything, she's kind of falling into line with either, you know, some of the supervillains of many movies who act out because of pain 
Or of course, and this is, you know, one redheaded witch to another, um, I could see Willow from Buffy when she lost her loved one and kind of acting out, lashing out in pain um, and basically terrorizing the city and eventually, in Willow's case, threatening the entire world. Um, you know, I can certainly see more of that kind of uh, action too, as opposed to a terrorism, so. Yeah, terrorism's wrong in this context. When yeah. she was running around with Hydra, absolutely. Yeah. She's a former terrorist. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, people are very forgiving here. It's like, yeah, she wanted to murder Tony Stark and she volunteered for Hydra to, for experiments, but she realized she was wrong. So it's a mulligan. Well, I think that that's kind of the interesting thing in the show, right, is the director of S.W.O.R.D. is not so forgiving. I mean, he remembers that. I did think in this last episode, the whole ad for the Lagos paper towels, getting away from legal stuff for a second, was what what was the tagline? When you have a mess, you want to clean up or something. I was like, woofta. Yeah, an unintentional mess. Yeah, or, yeah. It's like, I yeah, think, yeah, she's she's got a lot of guilt on, over that yes, one. Yes, yes. But for someone to have a lot of guilt about killing a building full of people, terrorizing thousands, yes, that's not a way to atone for it. So no. I, I get hurt people hurt other people, but this is a bit extreme. You, you know, frequently it's like, where's your empathy? Mm-hmm. which also could go is she under control yeah is is literally the devil making her do it which could tie in nicely with the dr strange movie so huh. i do say jumping to that there was i can't remember if it was at the end of the first episode or the second episode i did feel like for a brief moment at the end you actually did see somebody kind of in the you know the sort of what is it the um in newsroom, it's usually, you know, you see the anchor and then you see like the control room uh, sort of suit. But I did feel like you saw somebody with like a black shirt on. Did I make that up or did you see that for a minute at one of the first two episodes? And I was like, okay, well, that's implying that somebody besides Wanda is actually kind of pulling the strings on all of this. You're not imagining that. But, but that could have also been Sword Outpost watching everything. Hmm, that's true. But we might find out. So yeah. the, again, this could all be grief driven. Yes. Or she could have taken the super villain pill or, I mean, I, I get stealing the corpse of her uh, synthoid lover and trying to resurrect him. Like, right. I, I don't say I agree with it, but I at least understand that of, I can rebuild him. Uh, people think about that with wishing a dead, you know, loved one comes back like that. That's very human. Yeah. That's another thing to actually try to do it. Yes. Which, yes. We, which we is also one of the lessons of the fifth episode of the dead don't normally come back. Which again, Buffy dealt with very well. Sorry. It is hard, but to bring things back to, uh, um, Buffy you know it actually just occurred to me that really what she did we were just talking about the attempted coup that happened here a month ago um for you the U.S. she basically you know they don't really show anything about like the different um local governments workings or if there's a mayor of the town um a chief wiggums of police or something like that but she really did actually 
institute a coup, right? Which is a sudden violent and illegal seizure of power from a government. Um, I mean, she did effectively basically take this town take over control of the town, basically tell the United States government that she was seceding <laughs> from the US. It is now Wanda country and they all need to stay out. So she actually did institute a coup of her own. Which I'm also implement not that a, institute. I'm also not opposed to them taking the shot. Yeah. Which I know it sounds super cold, but it's like she's torturing thousands of people. I know. You don't get a free pass at that. And if they like take the shot, like, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not opposed to that. Uh, I feel bad about it, but I'm not opposed. Yeah. She's, she's constantly torturing people. Yeah. The misery of the people. I think that was good. They dealt with that this last time. I mean, it is tough. Uh, Wanda, I was seeing both that. And again, watching uh, Avengers Endgame to him, like she really has, you know, a lot of these heroes lose their parents, but like she lost her parents and then she lost her brother. And then she basically had to kill her beloved and then actually watch her beloved come back to life and then be killed again um, by Thanos. I'm like, that is, a, and so she's basically completely alone. I'm like, that is a lot of loss. But she's not alone. I'm like, there, there's the rest of the Avengers. Like she has uh, the found family story that that's, getting left as a chalk outline on the floor here so like that's the uh, i mean it, it just it bothers me because it's like you're not alone in this situation yes that is true you're making others suffer because you're suffering um yeah it, it's one thing to have empathy from loss it's another thing to just go on a crime spree yeah so like that's my feeling uh, yes. on that. Which also brings us to uh, another crime that she commits arguably, and that's desecration of a corpse. Um, she stole the vision's corpse. Yeah. So New Jersey law on this is, is rough. Um, so her best defense is arguing vision's not human. Therefore, she did not take the body of a deceased person person or the dismembered part of a living person. Uh, so if he's human, she, she clearly has done that. And so here are the three things that, that qualify. You unlawfully disturb, move, or conceal human remains. You unlawfully desecrate, damage, or destroy human remains. Or you commit an act of sexual penetration or sexual oh. conduct upon human remains. <laughs> And if he was human, she's potentially done all three. And uh, there's a lot to unpack there emotionally. Uh, but the, the big one is if you, uh, all the shows that she was emulating were G-rated. So yes, we dodged sub paragraph three. Um, Oof. Um, anyway, um, but that's disgusting. Uh, but she's sleeping next to the vision's corpse, which again is not emotionally healthy, even if she has reanimated him in some way. Right. But her best defense is he's a robot. Yes. Therefore, none of these things apply. Right. Which is the counter argument for saying that it's marriage. Yes. So, damn, that's just messed up. Um, it is. That is a fine line to have to try to walk. 
I'm just glad it was bewitched. I'm glad that there were separate beds initially because that's just messed up. Um, boy, howdy. Well, speaking of bewitched, wasn't it during the bewitched episode that they had dinner guests, right? Uh, first one. With the... I know. I think it was kind of bewitched phase. Yeah. Um, and so you had, a, I think you've even written a blog post on a legal issue that came up in that. Yeah, your duty to save someone who's choking in your house. And, you know, you have somebody in as a guest, you have a higher duty to them uh, of care as you would like somebody just outside. Okay. And, but is this a work event? Because it's, this seems to be this corporate culture that Mr. Hart has to get invited over to dinner at an employee's house. And how well the dinner goes determines if there's promotion or even just job security. Correct. Does that make him a business invitee instead? Or is this a work event because of that? And that's just weird. Uh, my research didn't get that finite yeah. uh, of the dinner party gone that wrong. There were cases of like somebody coming over and like and getting too drunk to leave. So the person spends the night and then the next day leaves and gets hurt. And so it's like, okay, well, that's different. It wasn't quite yeah. what we were looking for. But um, in the restaurant case, older case law, and this actually went to the 90s, the only duty of a restaurant to see someone choking is to call 911. And that was, I think, a Montana or Wyoming case. Okay. Uh, I th I'm not positive, but I think a lot of restaurants require people to know the Heimlich if they work there. Um, I mean, I worked at a sports bar and we serve food um, and I was never required to okay. know the Heimlich. So if that's not the, if that's still not the case, the duty is you call 911. Yeah. And here in, in the, that, that one case I found, uh, the, the person bit off a big chunk of meat and the court noted that it probably would have required surgery to remove it. Oh. Uh, and it also cited from the early 90s, like the number of meals served in the United States day laborers, like choking, uh, you know, on food as a cause of death. And it's like tiny minuscule number. Um, good. Yeah. Uh, and this day and age with, we don't go to restaurants anymore. Wow. Um, well, the closest analogy I can think, well, there's two where I have seen most places pretty resistant to impose uh, duties or obligations on the bars or restaurants. So obviously, there's always been the cases of bars that overserve uh, people, right? To give them too many drinks when they're clearly intoxicated, and then they go out and uh, kill somebody or harm somebody while they're drunk driving home. And so there's always been the question of, and I think that kind of can vary, that seems to go up and down and can vary very much by state, whether the bars would be responsible. Um, but the one that I'm aware of because of my, one of my kids having a nut allergy is um, restaurants having any sort of obligation as far as like allergens and foods um, and that sort of thing. And generally I know the courts have been very hesitant to impose extra duties on um, restaurants even to be really clear on what allergens they have um you know there's obviously been ongoing debate about public facilities 
restaurants, auditoriums, malls, that they should have both a different defibrillator defibrillators and no, i can't say it's too late at night AED, yeah yes and the um and epi pens to help for people with allergic reactions as well these life-saving things but again one of the reasons i think they've been hesitant to is both they don't want to impose duties on these places um and also if something were to go awry in these places using them could they be exposed to liability i think that's where good samaritan laws could kick in yeah uh which I think we discussed places, in our last podcast, maybe. Yeah, a lot of places in California have AEDs. I don't know if we made that an affirmative law or not, but there were enough situations where it's like, well, if there had been an AED, that person would have lived. And wow. Yeah, so like you can see AEDs in buildings. Nice. The EpiPen, I have not seen. I mean, that doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, but... It doesn't much. I've seen, again, once I had a kid who got diagnosed, I started researching. I've seen that there's been pushes for it, but um, I don't think there's been much movement yet. It, the, the idea of getting an EpiPen a year and having that in a place of business to go like, oh, look, that person's having a, a reaction and you're able to save them. The cost of that is way less expensive than them dying at your property. Exactly. And so just from a social policy perspective, I think that's a good thing. Yes, me too. But yeah. Oh, look at this. Apparently in Canada, they even have mall guards who will be carrying the uh, EpiPens. Well, that's good. I know. Look at Canada. So good. Hmm. Light and thoughtful. I know. Oh, (laughs) man. But anyway, but uh, so, yeah, so that is um, that's certainly as far as the restaurants and kind of the duties that have been imposed. Well, you know, dying of an allergic reaction is the price of freedom. Yeah, I know. That's what Rand Paul would say. So, yes, I know. That's the price of freedom. People will die. Um, Oh, anyway. So, yeah, uh, sleeping with the Visions Corpse could make Wanda, you know, guilty of desecration of the corpse. So there's there's that. Um, yeah. All right. But otherwise, aside from that, what a bummer note to end on. It has been a ton of fun and I am very intrigued to see where, how long is this season? I haven't looked. Do you know how many episodes there are going to be? I thought it was eight or nine. Probably most of them are. So we're getting close to the end. So I will be, you know, I will say it started a little bit slow, right? There was more just a sitcom world with only little hints of things. Obviously now we're getting a lot more of like, okay, things are coming to a head, but uh, it is very enjoyable. Um, You know, they've talked about with the pandemic, obviously with having to push so many of these things back, Marvel in particular is so particular about how all these things are going to go and the Black Widow's movie and the Eternals and all these things kind of feed into each other. So, um, but it's kind of, it is sort of fun to see this starting to go again and see where they head out from here. It is. And it's, it's entertainment that's helpful to the entire country right now. And there's a lot of, a lot of good series on different streaming services that provide entertainment, provide hope, provide a little escape. Escape. It's like, I, I'm one of the lawyers that goes into the office. And it's funny, I spent a decade working from home most of the time. Yeah. And, you know, the pandemic starts and I land a job with a firm where I get to go in <laughs> the office. 
And, but there's only a handful of us that go in. Yep. I, I haven't seen my secretary since March. Wow. She's completely remote. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of the other secretaries come in like Tuesdays and Thursdays mm-hmm. and they alternate. So yeah. That, uh, and like uh, the two named partners go in and maybe two other attorneys. So normally would be like an office with 20 people. Yeah. So dang. So for me, I get that interaction of like actually going to work. Yeah. And come home. Not everyone gets that. No. The fact that there are so many people just home and work are one and the same and they're stuck with their kids. Yes. I know you'll be safe. Um, <laughs> it's oh, hard. I'll send wine. Um, yeah. They uh, having these these shows where people can actually watch with their families because you're doing that. Yeah. And that's great that your yeah. kids like this and you're able to watch together. We need that stuff. Yes. And, yes, we do. And I mean, there are people who podcast about all of these as well. So again, there's that sense of community. Yep. So again, we, despite living in a time when there's a pandemic and there's lots of stress because of over 400,000 people have died, there's uh, economic hardship, Mm -hmm. Uh, but in the long run, things are starting to look up. Yes, I hope so. Again, they're they're very close to getting that one point nine trillion dollar bailout. True, that uh, will help. And having someone who actually cares about human beings in the White House is oh, a huge. I know. <sighs> huge change. They he didn't they they put an ad out on Facebook uh, that the president calling someone who lost her job. Oh. She wrote a letter and the clearly the the phone call where she gets the call is I think filmed on a family member's cell phone because because wow. the, the they like the way that it's not steady. Right. It's not uh, good filming. It's not professional filming. No. And it's in the president's in the white of uh, the Oval Office. And it's like he, he gives her a pep talk. Dang. And, and talks about what they're trying to do to help. Oh. It's like we all need that right now. We do. uh, Yes. I get Wanda's desire to hide in the hex. I think maybe if I had the power, sometimes I would do that too. But hopefully we can all come out this year, right? Exactly. There's, you know, I don't think, uh, well, let me rephrase. People are way overly optimistic if they think things like San Diego Comic-Con are going to happen this summer. Because like yeah. the vaccine rollout, it's, it's just not there. No. I do think it's possible during summertime, people will have barbecues where friends can come over. Yes. That we could have game night. Yeah. You know, that the movie theaters won't be open, but maybe mm. you can go bowling. Like, like there's stuff, there's things that could open yeah, that, hopefully we're just on the way. Uh-huh, that it's going to be gradual. Yeah. Because uh, we got to get people healthy. Yeah. People safe. Yeah. And that's not like a snap magic tax to fix everything. We're no. Gonna to, we got to earn it. And yeah. uh, we're going to do it. 
going to do it. In the meantime, we'll just keep watching WandaVision. Yeah, and and then Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, That's right. I, I did get the shield, so yeah, I can't wait. So, um, so with that, everyone, stay safe, stay geeky, and stay healthy. Take care, everyone. Be well. <laughs>